enter into the final week of the gifts of the Spirit. How many people have enjoyed this? Okay, two people. Okay, a little bit more. That's good. That's exciting. I hope that you have gotten encouraged and equipped to do something about what God has already or perhaps wanting to give to you, whether you're in a place where you need to actively receive what God has given to you or to activate what God has given to you. I hope that there's a sense that the gifts are actually really important in our lives. We're not supposed to let them be dormant, but they are meant to be this dominant force that brings a lot of change and transformation into our world. And today we cap it off, and I'm going to be... um, Speaking on a topic that I have never taught before, most weeks, um, in some way, shape or form, I've spoken about the the elements that I want to share, but this week is the first time that I'm talking on this particular topic, had to do some extra work, had to do a little bit more research to bring it to you, but I'm really excited about it because I I, I sincerely felt God leading me towards uh, this particular topic, which I sense is something that we need to, as a church, specifically as Live Church, begin to activate and see more of. And when I spoke to uh, Pastor Beck about this, I was saying, hey, I got a couple of different avenues to finish off the series, and I'm thinking this or that. And she was like, "Mm, that one, that one, you need to talk about that one. There was something in me that just went, yes, we need to talk about it. So today, I am going to be speaking on being a prophetic people. If you want a title, being a prophetic people. And that is something that... um, I'll be talking about today. (laughs) I don't know why I went down that path, but um, let's just pray because I I really want this to land uh, this morning. God, um, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're already here. I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And I pray that, that you have seen the openness in our hearts. You've seen the openness in our spirit. Um, and, and, and you will speak to us. You will allow us to, to challenge us, but activate something within us as well. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. All right. So my premise for this morning is that we are meant to be a prophetic people, and um, to unpack that a little bit, I I believe that the Bible teaches us that as spirit-filled Christians, which I hope many of you would would at least desire that if not you're living in that space where you are a spirit-filled Christian, then you personally are called to be a prophetic person. Every single spirit-filled Christian is called to be a prophetic person. Now, I'm going to unpack that through the rest of this message, but I just want you to take a moment and consider how that made you feel. Did you go, yes, I knew I was meant to be a prophet, and I'm meant to write new scriptures, and and this is my call, and I knew that. Thank you, Pastor Nate. I can leave now. I am satisfied. I have heard the truth, and you're already like jumping for joy on the inside. Maybe that's you. Hopefully not. Um, Or maybe you are more in a space where you're going, oh, I don't know about that. That's, mm, mm, that's, mm, that's a bit weird. Like, are you saying that I'm meant to, you know, just be walking down the street and suddenly God is going to, bam, give you a a word of knowledge and you you have to go speak to strangers and do crazy things. Is is that what you're saying, Nate? Like, I'm not sure if that's something that I want. Or maybe you're in a third category um, where you're just simply confused. You're like, prophecy? 
never really heard much about it. Can you relate to maybe one of those three categories or maybe a different category, which is also fine, but in my personal experience, um, having gone, grown up in church, basically, I, I sense that sometimes there is this um, lack of teaching around the prophetic. And so we either get this sense that it is um, the weird stuff that we don't touch, or you get the sense that you need to be a weird person to like it. You get what I mean? So in other words, the prophetic is always weird. You're like, oh, weird. Um, or, oh, weird. You get what I mean? <laughs> You're like, I kind of kind of sense that there are two types of Christians generally that I meet. And, and yeah, it's like, oh man, you're the fruity one. You must love the prophetic. Or, or, or you're, the, you're the traditional one. And so you're not going to like the prophetic. And, and that's the general sense that I have um, heard of things. And I don't believe that it should be either of those. And so I want to clarify what the prophetic is. And so let's first define prophecy. Now, prophecy is simply to speak by divine uh, inspiration for the building up or the edification um, of others and uh, the body of Christ. It is a divine inspiration. Um, it's God speaking to us, revealing something to us, and we are simply speaking it out. And the purpose must always be for the edification of others and the body of Christ. So when you hear people that are making predictions about the end of the world, and it does not come with a building up and an edification of other people, is not prophecy. The Bible is very clear. We've spoken about this through the whole series. The gifts are only given for the common good, for the building up of people. It is never for personal fame or personal fortune. It is never to scare people. It is always to build people up. Sometimes, yes, it is a little bit scary when things are revealed to you. Jesus doesn't always speak in a way that is all like, oh, that's so nice. Sometimes he talks about it at a time and is a bit scary, but there's always hope in what he shares because that's what the prophetic does. It builds people up. Now, 2 Peter 1 verse 21 um, gives some backing to this. Um, this is what the, the Apostle Peter teaches about prophecy. He says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so this is Peter saying, Prophecy is not about me coming up with my will and enforcing it on someone else. No, it is me, though I am a fallible, uh, just a person, just a human being, but the Holy Spirit carries me so that I'm speaking God's words. That's what prophecy is. Now, maybe some of you are already thinking, man, that's, I don't know if I want the Holy Spirit to be carrying me and to be speaking the words of God, uh, but let me just make make a, 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 a bit of a statement. When you read the Bible, it's meant to be prof uh, prophetic. When you read the Bible, it's meant to be prophetic. If you find the Bible boring, it's because you're not tapping into the prophetic. If you find a Bible irrelevant, it's because you're meant to read it through the lens of prophetic eyes. Okay, how do I know this? Well, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is God-breathed, divinely inspired, and is useful. 
is not irrelevant, but useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, do you think God wants you to be equipped for every good work, or does He want you to be a lame Christian that does nothing with His life? Equipped, right? And so that means that when you read the Bible, you're meant to be sensing the divine inspiration that is bringing about an equipping of your spirit and of your life, right? So we are meant to read the Bible through the lens of the prophetic so that we can sense, we can learn the divine inspiration behind it. And when you understand how to read scripture and you learn how to correctly interpret it, and when you speak it out, you are then using a divine inspiration to speak, which means you're being prophetic. So I hope that no matter how traditional your upbringing is or how orthodox you might be, if you want to use those words, or, or how much you don't like the Holy Spirit, which is kind of strange because the Holy Spirit is God, but if you come from that upbringing and that world, and I can understand because it happens, and I've spoken to many people that are fearful of this, but do you understand that reading the Word of God should be a prophetic act? Hopefully you can understand that this is me reading a divinely inspired book, divinely inspired words that are useful to equip me and God wants me to be equipped and so it must be useful, but it's only useful if I understand how it's divinely inspired. All right, so that's hopefully a bit of a basis that will help you understand that prophetic doesn't have to be strange. And I also do want to just put this out there, that this is the highest authority ooh, on the prophetic. This is the highest authority on the prophetic. None of us will ever be as prophetic and authoritative at the same time as the Word of God. Okay? So I'm not here asking you to write scripture. Okay? Put that outside your head. You are not meant to be going around saying, thus saith the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but at the same time, the Bible does describe something really interesting. You see, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 29, this is what the prophet uh, wrote. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. When I was a younger, less uh, honoring young Christian, I would say that I am a young man and so I see visions and all the old people in the church as are simply dreaming dreams. But that is not what I want to focus on today, and that is a very bad reading of the scripture. I'm now older and so I'm in the in-between of vision and dream. I'm visioning dreams. <laughs> that is not what I want to talk about. You see, the prophet Joel was given a divine, ins divinely inspired vision into the future. That was one of the future, speaking into the future passages. And so he says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on the spiritually elite, the future prophets of the world. Only a select few, because I don't really like all humanity, I only like some. No, no, no. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he goes on to say, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
And I used to think about this, that maybe that means that when God pours out His Spirit, only some will prophesy because it's the sons and daughters, it's not all of humanity. However, if you look at the context, Joel was speaking to the people living in his day and age, and he was telling the people that were living in his day and age, which was actually a a few hundred years before Jesus walked on the face of the planet. He's saying, down the track afterward, the Spirit's going to be poured out on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Basically, he was saying that in that day and age, not everyone will prophesy, but there will come a day when every son and daughter will prophesy. See, the prophet Joel was actually saying that when the Spirit is poured out on that day on your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. The Bible gives us a clear uh, uh, indication that prophecy is meant to be for every single Spirit-filled Christian. When the Spirit is poured out on you, you will prophesy. That is the simple word of the Bible. Don't try to justify it and get around it and say, maybe it's not for me. No, no, no. Listen to this. If you receive the Spirit, you receive the ability to prophesy. Why do you receive the ability to prophesy? Because the Spirit is God. And if you hear and listen to the Spirit, you're listening to divine inspiration. That is a a definitive way that we can all prophesy if we are living according to what the Spirit is saying. But what we need to understand is that I'm not saying that all of us prophesies in the same way as a prophet does. I I do need to make this clear. The Bible um, describes, from the studies that I've done, three different levels of prophecy. Okay, I'm going to describe three different levels of prophecy for you this morning. The first level of prophecy is known as the office of a prophet. The office of a prophet. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, this is what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers five different offices to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 12 is also very affectionately by scholars known as the ascension gifts. The ascension, as in like you ascend. Ascension gifts. Not saying that if you have this gift, you suddenly ascend. That's not what it means. What this means is that Christ himself, Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, Jesus was no longer operating on this earth. And so he took the five offices that he was the ultimate authority in. He was the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate evangelist, the ultimate pastor, and the ultimate teacher. Jesus was all five of them. If you ever see yourself operating in any of those giftings, look to how Jesus uh, apostled. Probably not the best way to say that. But how he led, how he sent people out, how he activated people and got people ready for the movement of the church. Uh, He was the ultimate prophet. He prophesied about his own death and resurrection. He prophesied about the coming uh, um, Holy Spirit. uh, He's the ultimate evangelist. He would go around and he would draw crowds and they would listen to him and they they would want to be baptized. He was the ultimate evangelist. He was the ultimate pastor. He loved people and he cared for 
them. And he was very effective at showing people God's love. And he was also the ultimate teacher. We see so much of his amazing teaching that we're still unpacking today. Jesus is the ultimate of all five of those offices. But when he ascended and is no longer operating personally in those five offices, what does he do? He gives for some people to be in each of these offices. He spreads the workload out amongst different people holding different offices and spreads them out across the world. That is what this is talking about. The ascension gives are about people taking on the office, the mantle of a, an aspect of what Jesus was doing and continuing that work on this earth. These people are more authoritative in those fields than others are. There are, more pe- there are people that are more amazing than I am at being a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, an apostle. For sure, there are people that are operating in those offices. And when you come in contact with such people, you're like, man, I am standing in front of someone that is really close to God. Someone that has an amazing relationship with God and really carries God's heart for an aspect of the mission of the kingdom on this earth. And and I, I can't say that I'm operating in an office in any of those positions because I believe there's still a lot of training. Maybe one day I'll get there. And there's this another thing. It is not for us to designate ourselves to an office. We get promoted into an office as we steward the gifts that we have, okay? So this is not for you to go around saying, oh, Pastor Nate said that I'm in the office of a prophet. No, if you put that on your business card, I will burn it for you because that is not what I'm teaching. What I'm teaching is that there is a level of prophetic ministry that is called the office of a prophet. I know... uh, um, one of the pastors that have um, ministered in our church before, he would not. He 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 was so sharp in the prophetic, and he would share what he felt God was saying, and it's so exciting. And we're like, how do you know that? How do you know that? He's not even from Perth. He doesn't know people in our church, but the way that he was speaking to their lives and and called forth, it was like wow. But when we say, oh, this man is uh, holding the office of prophet, like, no, I don't want to. I don't want that yet. I don't think that I'm. I'm like. How much more authoritative do you need to be to be promoted to the office? And he was, it's amazing. People that hold the office, I think sometimes are the most humble people. Amazing people that have dedicated their lives to honing the gift that God has given them for the common good. Amazing. Are any of you called to the office of prophet? Perhaps. I don't think all of us are. We're not all called to that office. So that's not what I'm teaching. And so we will come to the second level that I think more people uh, will receive in terms of the prophetic ministry, and that is the gift of prophecy. Okay, so the first level is the office of prophet. The second level is the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12 um, In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul outlines a whole bunch of different gifts, and one of them is the gift of prophecy. And then um, in verse 29 to 31, he says this, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts? And and those uh, descriptions as again are all, uh, obviously this is a... um, I just lost that word. It's not a metaphorical question. It's a rhetorical question. Uh, Paul was just basically looking at the list of gifts that he had just outlined, and he said, are all, all of those. Does that make sense? 
Are you, help, are you Read 1 Corinthians 12 for yourself. He lists the gifts and then he says that all, all of those things. And he says, no, not all are prophets in the sense of holding the gift of prophecy. Not all will prophesy as some other um, uh, um, translations would say, do all prophesy? And the answer is no. So clearly, Paul is saying that the gift of prophecy is only for specific people. Okay, this is a very specific gifting. Um, we need to understand that there are some that have been given a gift of prophecy. And, and how do you know whether you've been given a gift of prophecy? I'll just put out a few things um, to help you maybe determine that. It is a gift that you feel deeply affi uh, affiliated to. You want to operate in that gift. There is something in you that is churning and stirring and you, and you desire to lean into that. That is one of the signs that uh, God's placed this hunger inside of you to lean into a gifting that he has given to you. For example, I am gifted at teaching. And I greatly desire to unpack scripture for people. It actually, like standing here is fun for me. For most of you, you're like, you are crazy. I'm like, this is so much fun. I enjoy it. When I'm preparing a message, I am smiling. I am like, oh, this is good. Someone's really going to enjoy that. I even think about how I'm going to be on stage and, and, and how am I going to bring this point across. I love it. I lean into it because I am gifted in it. And so there is this natural leaning into it. There is a desire to grow in it. There is a desire for opportunities to use it. And it is a gifting that comes very, uh, in, a, in a way, a natural, a natural flow into it. When, when you are praying for people, you, you sense things, you see things, you hear things, and not on a, a physical realm, although sometimes it happens that way, uh, but it's something that drops in your heart. Uh, in the Old Testament, there are many different words for um, the word prof uh, prophecy and, and, and some of it is to bubble up, some of it is to, to illuminate and there's all of these different terms and, and, and when you are in prayer, especially with someone else, there's this sense that you are getting something uh, that is very um, uh, in, in, uh, timely and helpful for the edification of the person and so there is this natural leaning towards that, you want to use the gift. And I do sincerely hope that there are more people than I know of that have the gift of prophecy. I think because I am a very teaching-centric person, uh, our church has tended to be full of people that are quite intellectual and wanting to know more about the Word of God because of the way that I present uh, the Word every single week. And, and so we have a lot of people like that, but I have sensed that maybe our church will be even more uh, built up, edified, empowered if the prophetic was more uh, in, manifested in our presence. And so if that is you, please stir up the gifting that was given to you by the laying on of hands and by prophecy as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So there is a gift of prophecy. That's the second level. This is also not for everyone. So there's the office, which is for a, probably 
a reasonably select number of people across the world. Um, the office also um, talks about, I forgot about this point, the office talks about how this person probably serves the global church in some kind of a way. You know, um, it is more of a larger kind of scale. Uh, when you think of the office of prime minister, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're kind of talking about is an office. It's someone that is oversighting, someone that has uh, a lot of authority uh, across the world. But then there's a gift of prophecy that is meant to be stirred up in the local church. And that is also not for everyone, but perhaps a whole lot more people compared to the office. But I want to focus on the third level, because this third level is the level that I believe all of us should be operating at. And I've heard this called a couple of different ways. Uh, one of them is um, the spirit of prophecy, because it's a spirit that is enabling us in the moment. But I've also heard it this way, which I prefer because it's a more modern kind of language around it, but it's called the prophetic edge. I believe that all of us can cultivate cultivate a, a prophetic edge. Now, if you look in the Bible and you type in and, into like Bible gateway, prophetic edge, you are not going to find it. It is a term that we use um, to describe a function, a way, a, a level of prophetic ministry because the Bible clearly talks about the office and the gifting. But then we need to remember Joel chapter 2 said that the Spirit is going to be poured out on all people and all will prophesy. So what is that all about? Sorry, just taking a breath, getting very excited here. <clears throat> and um, I believe, as we have talked about, that we are all meant to prophesy at some kind of level, specifically the level of the prophetic edge. In 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 and 5, um, we're going to skip a few verses in there. You can read it for yourself. But the Apostle Paul teaches the church this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. This eagerly desire is meant to be uh, consuming a very hot, a very strong pull. Uh, uh, you really feel like you cannot go on without having these gifts. There is meant to be this tug in our lives towards the gifts of the Spirit. I just want to pause here uh, from being a prophetic people to just talking about the gifts for one moment. Because as I was thinking about this, I was like, why do some people desire the gifts and some people not? Why do some people want to be activated and live it out and why do some not? Why is there some that have uh, an eager uh, desire and an anticipation, a hunger, uh, a desperation perhaps for the things of God and some people don't? And I was thinking about this and I felt like God dropped something on my heart. It's because the gifts do not help you. <laughs> Why do you desire? Because it doesn't help me. It helps everyone else but me. We live in a world, an individualistic world, as like, how is this going to help me get ahead? How is this going to help me have more? How is this going to, to, to increase uh, uh, my life expectancy or, or my productivity? Or, uh, the gifts of the Spirit is for the common good, not for the individual good. And in fact, the gifts of the Spirit often come with a need to self-sacrifice. Of course, you're not going to naturally, in the world today, desire the gifts of the Spirit. You're not. 
If you're waiting for this message to come across and suddenly you go like, oh, wow, Pastor Ned said to eagerly desire. Suddenly I feel this fire for the gift. If you're waiting for that feeling, it probably won't come because your feelings are based on your past values, not the kingdom values. We'll talk about that a different day and a different time. But the eagerly desire isn't about feeling a natural feeling. It is about a conscious decision to say, I need the gifts of the Spirit. 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 There was a season in my life that I was feeling like there was more that God wanted from me. I was sensing that, that God had more uh, giftings, more anointing that was available for me. And, and yet I wasn't really kind of getting it. There was this void, if you will, and, and, and I needed to get myself to a place where for a few days I was fasting and praying and I was saying, I need this, I need this. Day one, it was like, I know I needed it. Day one, it was up here. Day one, it was purely intellectual, purely reading the Word of God and saying, you need to eagerly desire. Day one was up there. Day two was still up there. It, it took a few days for me to suddenly have something drop inside of my heart and go, I really want this, God. When am I going to receive this? But some of us, day one, I need this. Oh, but God didn't give it to me. Okay, you know what? My business is still doing fine. My family is still doing fine. My health is still doing fine. Maybe next year when Pastor Nate talks about gifts, we'll, we'll, we'll reconsider. No. The eagerly desire to give is a self-decision. It's a discipline of choice. It's a discipline of will to say, God, if you say to desire this, I'm going to put my whole trust in you and I'm going to pursue this. And it's not going, when you start to activate and to live in these giftings, you know what? It's going to cost you. If your gift is hospitality, you're going to need to cook for someone else. If your gift is mercy, you're going to need to show mercy on someone. Do you know what that means? The person probably doesn't deserve your love. If you want to desire the prophetic gifts, you're going to need to talk to people. Some people don't like that. You're going to need to, need to talk to people about what God is saying to you about them. Do you know how weird that is? To lead, to have the gift of leadership, you need to put yourself out there and say, I'm going to carry this burden because that's what God's calling me to. The gift of service, oh, well, you better serve then. The gift of teaching, well, you need to prepare yourself, study, learn, equip yourself. These gifts are going to cost you. To eagerly desire it is to understand that the common good is better than my personal good. It's to say and to live out what the Bible teaches us, that we are meant to put other people's interests in front of our own. It's a decision and not a feeling. And if you only exist... If your spiritual life only exists in the emotion realm, you are only going to get a tiny little portion of what God is wanting to do. The more I live out my teaching gift, the more I live in the space of what God is calling me to, the more I see kingdom, the more my joy is not attached to how I feel. It's attached to what God is doing and what God is accomplishing in me and through me. I have joy. I have peace. People ask me, are you worried? You know, are you heavily burdened? I was like, no. 
I'm your pastor. I'm also on the state executive of our state. I lecture twice a week. I lead a big life. I've got a one-year-old son. And I'm not worried. I'm not stressed. I'm not overly burdened. In fact, some of you that only have got a job are more worried than I am. Why? Because I am living not just for myself, but for the common good. All right, that was a, I don't know where that came from. Maybe there's the Holy Spirit wanting to say something to someone. But then Paul goes on to say, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, because unless someone interprets, um, so that the church may be edified. Paul tells us that prophecy is one of the highest gifts, the highest enablements of the Spirit, and tells us to eagerly desire it. Wouldn't it be really, really, really disappointing slash frustrating slash annoying if I were to tell you that you should all eagerly desire to win the lottery, knowing that only 0.00001% of you ever will? Wouldn't it be a little bit irresponsible for me to tell you, you need to eagerly desire something that you probably will never get. You know, maybe, maybe bring it to a more spiritual place. Wouldn't it be really terribly irresponsible of me to tell you to eagerly desire salvation and a relationship with Jesus if Jesus only wanted 20% or maybe even 60% of the world. The other 40% of you, you are never going to get it, but you should still very much eagerly desire. No, I will only tell you to eagerly desire it if there's a provision made in heaven for you to have it. And so Paul might be saying that right now you're not prophesying but to eagerly desire it because God has made a provision for all of us to be able to prophesy. Maybe not at the gifts of the spirit level, maybe not at the office of a prophet level, but at a prophetic edge level. Come, let's continue and read on in verses 24 to 25 of 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, while everyone is prophesying, Paul was actually looking at the church and going, you know what would be really cool? If everyone had the ability to prophesy. And so if an unbeliever comes in while everyone's prophesying, they're convicted of sin and brought under the judgment of all as their secrets of the heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really amongst you. Now, Paul also does say and gives order to how we prophesy in church and corporate settings. So I'm not saying that right now, all of you just stand up and prophesy. That's not what I'm saying. But what Paul is looking forward to is a church where every person is able to be divinely inspired and to hear the voice of God and to have the courage to speak it out. And what he says is that it is effective if the church is operating with a prophetic edge. Wouldn't it be amazing if we have a church with a prophetic edge amongst every believer? That we will come in and it's not about hiding it's not about uh, trying to pretend to be something else because, you know, someone else is going to go, take that mask off. God really wants to speak to you. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a church that you could come in and you, 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 needed, you needed to be vulnerable because that's how you're going to grow. And that's what Paul was saying. Imagine if a church was full of people like that. I'm running out of time, so I do need to run through these quickly. 
But I'm doing a lot of scripture references to give you something to study and something to look at. In Colossians 3 verse 16, Paul writes, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now look at this. This wasn't written to the leaders of the church. This was written to the whole church. And he says, as you teach and admonish one another, all of you teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom from the Spirit. How do we encourage and build one another up? Because the Spirit brings divine inspiration that when you partner with, you have all wisdom. You have psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit that builds one another up. Paul was clearly showing us that the church was meant to be full of people that were able to listen to the, to the message of the Spirit, just, not just for myself, but for the people around me, for the building up of everyone. Finally, I want to show you 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22, and it says this, do not quench the Spirit. And in a very same line, he says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. How do you quench the Spirit? You treat prophecies with contempt. How do you quench the Spirit? To say the prophetic is not for me. How do you quench the Spirit? By distancing yourself from, from the ability to be divinely inspired. When you say, Spirit, stop talking to me. I don't want to hear your voice anymore. That's how you quench the Spirit. See, each and every one of us are not meant to be quenching the Spirit, but we are meant to be allowing the prophetic to flow in our lives because that is what hearing God is like. It's prophetic. is leaning into something that we have all been enabled to do so that we can all know the voice of God and we can speak God's words to other people so that there is an edification, a building up of all. Yes, Paul tells us to test the prophetic. How do we test it? We bring it back to the ultimate authority, the Word of God. We understand God's heart because we have a, a whole book, in fact, 66 books written to us that showcase God's heart. And if you want to operate with the prophetic edge, even just the edge, you need to know the ultimate authority. So test it. But he says this, hold on to what is good and reject what is bad. He's not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I want you to consider, have you been quenching the Spirit? We are called to be a prophetic people. Yes, we have different gifts, but this is what I have learned. The prophetic, uh, sorry, the other gifts in my life are enhanced with the prophetic edge. If I'm purely teaching without a prophetic edge, if I'm teaching you the Word of God, without hearing the voice of God, would it be effective? Would there be any point to it? No, I teach and I wait on God to speak to me, to drop something in my heart, drawing me towards what He is wanting to do in the church. And that prophetic edge enhances my teaching. Pastor Beck has an amazing shepherding gift. She can come around any person and make them feel loved. She can really show mercy to those that need mercy. She, she is far more of a pastor than I ever will be. And 
her pastoral gift, her shepherding gift is enhanced with the prophetic edge. She will get a sense on who needs to be cared for and she will reach out to the person. Our giftings are enhanced by the prophetic edge, not taken over. We're not all meant to be gone around saying, thus saith the Lord, like I said. But maybe the prophetic is just to help you activate something of your other gifts. How do we know that we're operating in any of the gifts? I will put to you that you can only really operate in any of the gifts when you have the prophetic edge in your life. The Spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out all and all will prophesy. So this morning, we're going to invite the band up. Sorry, my time is up. But I really wanted to bring this message because I believe that we are meant to be a church that is daily, every single moment, leaning into what Spirit is saying. We need to be a prophetic people because without being a prophetic people, we're not listening to God. We're following our emotions. We're following our, our preconceived ideas. We're following old mindsets. We bring ourselves to the Word of God rather than letting the Word of God be spoken truly into our hearts. I believe that there is a day, that we are in a day and an age where we are having more and more biblically illiterate people. People that don't understand what the Word is saying because we have dumbed down the voice of God to our emotions and our feelings. I've spoken to so many people and I asked them, so what is God wanting to do? It's like, oh, I'm not feeling anything. I was like, what do you mean you're not feeling anything? Is God just simply goosebumps on the back of your neck? Or is God God who's able to speak to you? Have you spent time listening to His voice or are you spending more time on Facebook? Are you spending time listening to His voice or are you spending time vegetating in front of the telly Allowing your mind to rot. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit judgmental here. But I think that's partly for me. Sometimes I don't discipline, like we spoke about last week, myself to lean into what God is doing. And so this morning I'm asking you to consider how you are allowing the prophetic edge to be properly activated in your life. I believe God is speaking. I believe He's speaking now. It can just be in the form of a nudging, something in your heart, something is burning, a decision that you feel like you need to make. Maybe certain verses are coming to mind. Maybe certain pictures are coming to mind. These are all possible uh, ways that God speaks to us with. But right now, let me just ask that you just close your eyes. I want to pray over each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've been poured out. I thank you that you've been poured out on each and every single person. I thank you that we have you in our lives. We have you. 
to be in relationship with. And I pray that we won't silence your voice. We won't quench you, but rather, God, that we will lean into your voice today. I pray for those that might feel blocked up. I feel for those that might feel like they can't hear or, or, or know what you are saying. I pray right now that, God, that you enable their ears to be open. I pray that we will not be the people that you spoke this against, but you said, even though they have ears, they do not know how to hear. Even though they have eyes, they do not know how to see. But God, I pray that we will have eyes to hear and we will, sorry, ears to hear and eyes to see, that we will know your voice. We will know the prophetic in our lives. And I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Can I just ever ask everyone to stand? We're going to close our gathering here. But I pray that you would just at least take a moment and see if God is dropping anything in your spirit right now. Is God saying anything to you? I mentioned when I said that when we want to activate the gifts, quite often it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some discipline to truly see it be activated in our lives. So maybe right now you just need to wait for God to tell you how He's wanting you to activate and, and to steward this gift that He has given to you. But I also want to pray for those who feel like you really want at least this prophetic edge, if not the gift of the Spirit, to be stirred up within you. I want to stand with you and I want to pray with you because I believe that you are meant to prophesy. You are meant to be able to be divinely inspired. You are able to speak the Word of God to yourself and to other people. And so if that is you, I'm going to close the gathering and you can come forward. If you spend the time, you've allowed God to speak and, and you're done, awesome. And our morning tea is awaiting you at the back and we will meet you and we'll have a conversation over a coffee. But if God is doing something here with you right now, don't leave. Don't leave until He speaks. Don't leave until you've got your word. Don't leave until you feel that there's a breakthrough in this area. Let me just close this morning in prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray that we will know your voice. I thank you that God, that we are a prophetic people. I thank you to God that there are days ahead that we will see greater edification flowing from this church. We thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.